Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing all right, mate. Thanks for asking. Um, how about you? What's, uh, what's going on? Yeah, I'm actually doing all right as well. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm actually going to Switzerland in about an hour's time, so we've got to make this one snappy. Oh, nice. Because obviously we've got to bash out a podcast every week. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, things are good. Actually, th- this morning I was, uh, I was on my phone in Ooh. bed. Uh, with a phone and landscape on YouTube, which is something that you're you're very familiar with, uh, <laughs> and I discovered that David Dobrik has a second channel. Oh, mate! And it was like a, what, one of these like blooper reels from his second channel. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, which and, now you're actually really into him. I mean, I, I wouldn't say really into him, but I wore his clickbait hoodie in my latest video, nice. and everyone was like, "Where's that fire hoodie from?" <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell them that you copied me in getting that hoodie? No. Okay. I, d- I didn't mention it in the video, oh. but I talked about it in the comments. But then so some people in the comments were like, oh, well, you know, why is Ali wearing a David, a David Dobrik hoodie even though he doesn't watch David Dobrik's vlogs? It's Temur who watches them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Almost as if you don't read the comments section of my videos. Hmm. But no, that's really good. Yeah, I think his... Uh, you should follow him on Instagram as well. I think his second channel is actually quite funny. Okay. And there was a good joke that... Uh, who's, who, who's the old dude? Jason? Jason. Uh, Jason made... So that well, it was like one of those bits where... Um, when they were they were asking some like hot girl, be like, oh, uh, who who's your type? Yeah, and that girl was like, oh, someone like you know, uh, someone like uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh yeah, and then this is like fat dude who's like, you know, oh well, people say I look like Jesse Eisenberg if I lost thirty pounds. Yeah, that's and then, true. And then Jason that. says, more like Jesse Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember this one. That was so good. And yeah. I didn't get it. And then once they explained it, I was like, oh, that's really clever. Well, you didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it. Initially. I was like, because <laughs> the secondary joke was that Jodo was too dumb to get it. <laughs> so apparently, you're in that boat I was, as well. I was, I was also too dumb to get it. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the Jesse Hindenburg thing is so funny. Yeah, I think, I think Jason is actually killer because I think from the, from the outside, and like, I've, I've spoken to friends about like David Dobrik and they're like, oh, isn't, what's that old dude doing with him? Isn't he just like leeching off of him or something? But I think Jason is actually like the lifeblood of the vlog because Jason is an actual comedian. He's actually extremely funny. You know, he does like stand up and stuff. He's an actual comedian. And so he, he basically pads all the stuff in between, which is really, really important. Have you have you thought about making explainer videos analyzing David Dobrik's vlogs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. This was how who was it? Uh, Vegetesh Rao got famous by publishing like a long ass essay about why The Office is so funny. Yeah, I think so. So you yeah. could publish a long ass <laughs> like five thousand word medium essay about why David Dobrik is so funny yeah. and break it down as, as to, like you know the different roles the different team members play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be, be better content marketing for causal than anything you've been doing all year. <laughs> Possibly. Oh uh, yeah, we might do that at some point. Um, there was something I wanted to bring up. Oh yeah. Yesterday I watched a film called Jojo Rabbit. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. No, it's so it's good. It's unbelievably good. It's the kind of film that just like ruins your evening because after you watch it, you can't really do anything else because you're just kind of like stuck in the, the film kind of frame of mind Okay, and you can't really do anything. Right. <laughs> it's so good. And I don't want to give too much away. I think everyone, everyone has to watch this film, but I think I really like it because uh, it's about like this kid. He's like, uh, I don't know, 10 years old or something. And 
I think films that are about kids or that like take kids seriously, I they really appeal to me because yeah, I just feel like yeah, I I, I feel strongly that this is something that isn't done nearly enough. And so it's taking kids seriously, taking kids seriously and like really considering their perspective. Uh, and so, you know, as a kid, like every kid loves stuff like home alone and things like that, because like the kid is finally, you know, the kid is right. People aren't taking him seriously. The kid is being then, a badass. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. Right. It's not the about <laughs> the kid being a badass. It's about the kid saying this thing. Everyone's like, Oh, oh shut up, man. Like there's no one robbing your house right now. <laughs> And then he has to like take matters into his own hands because the stupid adults aren't listening to him. And then he turns out to be right. The reason that film is so good and every kid loves it is because internally that is what every kid goes through for like 15 to 20 years of like, you know, they have their own life, their own perspective and the adults or whatever really don't take it seriously enough. And yeah, I think, I mean, there was this other film that you and I really like called Flipped, right? That's the same thing. Like all these films about kids like films that aren't children's films but are about kids um they're just so good because it's rare it's rare to see the kids perspective or the kids you know being considered as an actual human being you know and i look i don't think i don't think i've had an especially traumatic childhood at all where i i wasn't taken seriously or anything like that i think i probably had like a standard level of being taken seriously by adults or something but like but you're saying that that standard level is still pretty low yes exactly so yeah jojo rabbit like ah amazing film amazing film okay so you're saying i should watch it on the airplane yes or should i kind of like block some time out to actually watch it? oh no no so i think it came out in the u.s last year so we streamed it uh, uh, our cousin and I, we, we streamed it on like Amazon US Prime Video or something. It's not available in the UK, but it's in cinemas. So I'm, I'm planning to go and see it with like a bunch of my friends at some point. It's in cinemas in, in the UK. Yeah. Oh, so you okay. should see it in, in the cinema. Okay. In the UK. Um, and that kind of brings me on to what I, uh, you know, a few things I wanted to talk about this episode, which is that I think there's like a few ideas that I keep coming back to, um, that, you know, we've discussed on the podcast and I may or may not have written blog posts about, um, that I, I just keep seeing everywhere in the stuff that I'm reading. Uh, the first is that is the kids not being taken seriously thing. Uh, I've started to see lots and lots of sort of um, tweets about this. Uh, and I think this is becoming more of a thing. And I think, I think in like 10, yeah, I think over the next like decade or so, there's going to be a shift here for sure. Well, because these kids are going to get older. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, a shift in like attitudes towards like kids or whatever. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by this? Like, kids are not being taken seriously. Because there's, like, the caricature element of it, which is like, hey, hey, mom, there's, you know, uh, the the codes to uh, some kind of weird uh, rocket launcher thing stuck in my toy car. And yeah. the mom's like, no, go away. Yeah. There's, like, that caricature level of being taken seriously. And then there's, I mean, what do you mean? I, I feel like some people would argue that we take kids too seriously these days because six-year-old comes home from, from school being like, mommy, I'm so stressed out that I've got my exams tomorrow. And mommy's like, oh my god, honey, it's okay. You know, exam stress is a real thing, and all and and all this sort of stuff. Like, people would argue that that we've gone too far in in, in the other direction in taking kids too seriously. Whereas it should be a case of, all right, Abby, you know, just like man the f up and <laughs> take your exam. It's not it's not a big deal. So, what do you mean by this whole taking kids seriously thing? I mean that. What do I mean by this? Okay, first, like, do you disagree with me that there is something profoundly satisfying about watching Home Alone when you're a kid? And it's not just because he's like a badass or whatever. Um, 
I feel like for me, most of the value in Home Alone was in the kid doing this cool stuff yeah. and being a badass. Just like, you know, I was obsessed with like the Alex Ryder books, the Cherub books. Yeah. These are books, so you wouldn't have heard of them, but Harry Potter is a similar sort of thing. Oh. It's, 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 it sort of follows the journey of a kid, but taken seriously, not yes. like a, yeah, yeah. a kid's I, book. I mean, that's why you like Harry Potter and stuff. No, but as a kid. I mean, no, but the, the, this is very, the, there's this theory going around. That's been going around for for years and years now. That actually the best books for adults to read are the eight to eleven kids books, not the teenage kid book kid books because that is you know just romance and paranormally type stuff. But the eight to eleven range that has things like the cherub books or like the Harry Potter books or like loads of Roald Dahl books are in the eight to eleven range. That is really good because it's kids written seriously about but without all of the baggage associated right. with we want to make this an erotic kind of teenage <laughs> young adult novel uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or so i've heard <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah i'm actually uh, I'm, I'm actually not allowed in the 8 to 11 section of waterstones <laughs> can't be making those sorts of jokes <laughs> it's unacceptable um yeah i mean that sounds pretty good I think I might have to check out some of some of those books. But look, by the taken seriously thing, I mean that like kids just aren't afforded any any sort of autonomy, you know? Okay, well, because they can't choose what they do with their time 100%. Uh I'm look, I'm not saying they should be able to choose 100% what they do with their time. But I mean, I feel like kids have a lot of autonomy in how they spend this, their their free time. Far more autonomy than I do now how I spend my free time. And most adults would say that. Okay, no, look, you know, oh, I, 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 uh, I go home from work, have to make dinner for the kids, but I have, I have to spend half an hour with the wife, and by that time, it's time for bed. Kids have so much stuff they can do in free time. So I'm not disagreeing with you, but I really want to understand what you mean by we don't take okay, it seriously. Okay, so it's enough. not about the autonomy thing. It's not about the autonomy thing. It is that I think. Look, basically, I think kids have like a whole sort of you know world of experience and like thoughts and feelings and existence okay that yeah it's kind of so like that bbc film uh tv show the secret world of four-year-olds where everyone's like oh my god it's fascinating to see like you know what's in the mind of these kids like a janice hit me yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. like why did janice hit me <laughs> uh, yeah it, it, I, I don't know i have i haven't seen that show <laughs> i would imagine it's something to do, with, to do with that but that really took the world by storm when it came out because people were like oh my god this is cool yeah i yeah exactly I think that's that's part of what I'm getting at here. Okay. So you're saying that you want to see that there's something profoundly satisfying about viewing something from a kid's perspective, but a kid's perspective that's not been sort of taken the piss out of to the point that it's become a kid's TV show. Uh yeah, and I think I think kids the the kid's perspective in general is um poorly understood uh for for adults. And I think yeah. So you think Jojo Rabbit coming back full circle did a good job of understanding the kids' perspective um, in a way that was deeply satisfying for you and Jose? Uh, Jojo Rabbit <laughs> that sounds weird. It was, it was part, look, the film was partly about the kids' perspective, but it, I mean, the kid was just the main character, so like it was by default about the kids' perspective. It was, look, it was a great film on all fronts. <laughs> Fine. Uh. <laughs> all right, so that was point number one. What was point number two that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> all right, one for one. <laughs> Uh, point number two that I want to talk about was that my social, low social optionality thing. It's just coming up everywhere. Like everyone is, everyone is trying to get it. Every, every, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's <laughs> talking about it, man. <laughs> yeah, ever since episode number three of the podcast, or whatever it was. Okay. So there was a, uh, uh, there was a particularly prescient block. What does prescient mean? Prescient? Yeah. I, I, I pronounce it prescient. Okay. I think it's, 
yeah i don't care how it's pronounced i think it means uh particularly well well known well having or showing knowledge of events respected take place okay oh prescient yeah yeah. okay i didn't use that correctly (laughs) (laughs) but there was a particularly pressured blog post that i read recently uh it was it's i actually sent it to you and you obviously didn't read it mate look i was at work some of us work for a living all right. It was called The Families We Choose. Uh, we'll link it down below. Okay. Talk to me about The Families We Choose. Because I, I, I saw the title of that and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I should read this. But then I didn't get around to reading it. Yeah. So it's... it's, uh, it's Which is like most of the books that you've ever come across. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like we have a shared experience here. So don't hate on me for not reading this article that you sent me when you've never read one of the hundred books that I've recommended. All right. So look, the article is about... It's basically about like uh, the, the relationships that we have with our friends uh, over time. And sort of, yeah, how friendship changes. And and this this particular person talks about this idea of having a family of friends, um, you know, who you, you feel particularly close to, and you go to go on trips with and stuff like that. Um, but she, I think it's yeah, she it's written by someone called uh, Helena Fitzgerald. She talks about essentially how the hard part about like friendships growing up. Uh, by growing up, I don't mean as a kid. I mean like as uh, mostly adult friendships is that. There's not really, there's not really any subcategories within friendships. It's like, you know, in your other relationships, you have, okay, this is my mom, these are my siblings, this is my like cousin, whatever, this is my spouse, these are my kids. And then everyone else is just bunched up into like the friend category. Mm, The friend zone. uh, The friend, into the friend zone, exactly. Some more than others. Uh, and she. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I think we should just stop this recording now. And she talks about how, like, when you st- when when people start to grow up, like, she said, you know, she went on holiday with this group of friends. They were this was when they were in their like mid twenties or something. Um, and yeah, at this point, some of them had like uh, significant others, but they weren't married yet or whatever. So a few of them would have girlfriends, boyfriends. Um, but it's like the group of friends on this holiday, and it's like this amazing bonding time. And then as they kind of grow older, she said that like over the next four years, like I don't know, three out of the four, you know group people in the group or whatever got married and stuff and you kind of you know when you have the legit categories of relationships like oh this is my spouse and stuff it also comes with like responsibility and you know some level of like commitment and obligation like oh like for example oh sorry lads i can't go out tonight i've got to hang out with the wife yeah sure it feels like that becomes an obligation to maintain that branch of the relationship uh yeah exactly uh stuff like that and you know you you have to spend time with the family on like christmas and thanksgiving whatever uh and she talks about how that kind of keeps your family-ish friendships you know your family-ish relationships (coughs) alive and that's really important but there's no forcing function to get you and your friends to keep hanging out regularly and so uh it kind of just fades out you know you know someone who Someone who used to be like your closest friend, uh, you know, after a few years ends up being somebody that you used to know or whatever. Not because like you don't like each other, but just because there's nothing to force you, you to hang out with this person. And so it naturally gets sort of deprioritized. Yeah. And yeah, it's basically the low social optionality thing, like the, the sort of more commit, commit, committed relationships like family ties and things. You, do, you know there's much less optionality there you have to spend time with them you know there are certain things you do with them yeah and with friendships there's like too much optionality and so it ends up falling by the wayside and and kind of yeah this is the whole thing about 
I mean, it, it feels like everyone's going on about it, how like friendships as adults are really hard and no one's mm. really. And it kind of goes back to what well, I think one of our episodes where we talked about intentional socializing, where we A, intended to make a slap group for our friends, which we haven't done yet. And B, we intended to have like, you know, a standing order of, you know, every, every second Saturday of the month, we're going to go out for brunch. Um, that would be a good forcing function if actually we can, <laughs> you know, get the activation energy to make it happen. Yeah. I yeah, think, I think one of the issues as well with 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 this sort of stuff is that because because the realm of friendship is is so different to the realm of family. It's like when there is a family event, you know, like for for example, in Christmas, all of the extended family is going to come over. It's not like you would have a Christmas where you choose to invite some bits of the family and not some and not other bits of the family. Whereas, like we've said in the past, there is some value to kind of uh, being picky about who we invite to certain things based on the sort of vibe that we want. Okay. And so, for example, for me, like, you know, I would love to have a standing order, let's say one Sunday every month where all of my mates get together and have brunch. But the problem is that all of my, all of my mates aren't mates with each other. And it would require quite a big space for that to, for, for that to happen. And, it, you know, there's this kind of separation of like school friends, uni friends, work friends, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I wonder if there's a way of reconciling that without it being a total logistical nightmare. No, no, I don't think that's an issue. Like, I don't think this person is like saying that all your friends have to be friends with each other. No, I mean, she's talking specifically about the breakdown of sure. particular groups of friends. No, that's as fine. People but I'm, I'm, I'm taking the point that that person is making and applying oh, okay. it to my own problem in my life. So that's oh, become a therapy session. Ah, so you've made so. this about you. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Mate, this is a podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think we talked about this before. I think there's like lots of gains to be had of like introducing your friends. And like since we've had the flat in London over the past, you know, six weeks or so now, um, yeah, basically like at least once a week we have a bunch of people over and they almost never all know each other. And yeah, I mean, I sort of joked that like that these have become almost like networking events because <laughs> I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, some, some, some people came over. One of them used to be a VC and is now works at a startup and one of them is currently a VC or something. And then they like ended up like networking or something, getting nice. breakfast and throwback um, to episode uh, four of why we all hate ne- networking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think like, have you got a guest book for your flat? Oh, we haven't. I that think you should. Good. Yeah, because yeah. like when you were when you and Arthur were doing that in like thirty or whatever yeah. it was, I was like, "Oh, this is an innovation. That's this so is good. such a good idea." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we might have to do it. I have started a modern, uh, you know, the modern day version of the guest book, which is a Instagram account for no causal <laughs> HQ. It's not an Instagram account. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's no, it's private. I was expecting you to say like a Notion workspace or something. Oh no, no, no. It's a private Instagram account for uh, you know friends and stuff who end up coming over or whatever wow thanks for the invite <laughs> <laughs> i literally haven't heard about this until today you've had no, it for the I mean, last six it, weeks i set it up like a few days ago or something fine so I, I thought that would be like a nice way to kind of document what goes on at the flats and like you know and allow like, people to feel left out for not being invited to things no no it's a private account but let's say you know you've got one group of vc friends over one week and another group of friends over another week and you're documenting this real fun that you're having the other week oh sure. group, group a of vc nah, I mean, that's just stupid no one should feel left out i mean it's perfectly fine to have different uh different gatherings okay uh but yeah i hope this will like so you help. haven't had those dms of people being like hey how was the party last night mate <laughs> <laughs> no we haven't had those dms um but no i think it's fine i think it'll be a nice way to kind of talk oh mate on this documentation front Lucas and I have also been thinking this, and I think I, t- I talked to you briefly about this a couple of weeks ago. There needs to be a low friction camera setup that you can just press record and record like whatever's going on in a room, like not super high quality or whatever. But like for example, Lucas and I played like a s- three sick games of table tennis like two days ago or something, 
and we we're both like oh my god it would be so cool if we recorded that and do you remember there was this like viral sort of you know before vine existed um there was a subreddit called youtube haikus of like short youtube videos that were like zero to 30 seconds i have long. no idea what you're talking about okay basically these two guys one of these like sort of viral videos on this thing was like a 10 second clip of these two guys playing table tennis and the pattern of the ball bouncings was the same as like the super mario theme tune so the, 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 the ball basically <laughs> no. went bum 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 <laughs> and then one of them caught it and was like whoa that was the super mario theme tune. and these guys already had this thing where they'd like record all of their games in case something cool happened yeah and then this thing happened and like it was sick and so and i often think like even when people are just hanging out it would be cool to just like document it and just like you know record people having dinner and stuff and hmm. just look back on you know so there's a few things, things, things that come to mind here. Obviously, you know, being a, an expert in the field of video, uh, it's yeah. field of online video. That sounds weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, firstly, I often try and get, I often try and record, I often try and record kind of social, social gatherings and stuff. Um, but I find that people are often not very receptive to the idea of stuff being recorded. Um, and there were a few times in final year where we, we were recording board games and I, I would I was just like, guys, I've got, I've got a camera kind of going in the corner. Everyone would kind of forget the camera and yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of there's like, you know, people screaming like, no, you're a freaking liar playing yeah, Avalon. Yeah. And it was just like really, really cool to look at. Yeah. Um, the issue with that is that it, it does take a lot of curation to kind of edit down to the stuff that you actually want. So I wonder if maybe kind of the, the dash cam way of doing it is the way forward where everything is recorded, yeah. but by default, everything is deleted until you flag up something as being particularly yeah, momentous. Yeah, yeah. And then it actually says, oh, okay, I'll keep these last kind of yeah. half an hour of footage. Yep. But yeah. But yeah having some kind of setup in a, yeah, at home would be really cool for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so yeah, on this, this, this first thing is really good. I'll, I'll link the article. It's like talking exactly about social optionality, um, without using that term. Uh, and yeah, I'll just read you like a couple of passages. Yeah, so she she's just like talked about, you know, spending a weekend away with some of her friends and like they had this great time. Uh ah oh, yeah, yeah, here yeah, this is good. Yeah, she and she says, But that weekend when we chased each other with water balloons, when we sat on the wide porch and talked about how we'd all grow old together someday, we were already splitting apart. We were retreating to the idea that a life based on friends, rather than on more clearly defined relationships, is essentially adolescent. To grow up, one has to grow out of these idealistic and amorphous groupings. Uh, and then she says that, uh, you know, well, in this place where they were saying, there was just one spot on the porch with phone reception, and that weekend I would gravitate to it again and again, texting a man who lived far away but who was beginning to pull my world into a different orbit. The friend who had returned from a road trip, who was one of the friends who came to the thing, um, got out of his car and kissed his girlfriend like he'd just come back from war. Three years later, they'd be married. At least four other friends from that weekend would get married within the following three years. We pulled back to the pre-made patterns, the traditional groupings with their obvious rewards, and pushed our friendships to the sidelines. We still loved one another fiercely, but we spent holidays with our families and kept our secrets, losses, and triumphs inside smaller boxes. Uh, she said, There's no widely understood way to mourn friendships when they recede from centrality in our lives. Romances, even if they end amicably, come with mourning periods and a language to explain the loss. But a friendship that fades into the margins is merely considered a condition of growing older. And she says, I know, I only noticed the change after it happened, when a lack appeared, and I wondered where it was that cold wind was getting in through and why it felt like something was missing. Uh, and yeah, I, she says, I have often fallen into the trap of praising friendships for, unlike romance or family, not being an obligated relationship. <coughs> uh, 
the defining utility of a bio- biological family is the very aspect from which we rebel, which is its built-in obligation. Uh, families where love and convenience, uh, love and inconvenience are one and the same. They are the people we see even when we wish to turn away. We are forced to take ownership of the choices we make in regards to the members of that family. Uh, and to distance oneself from one's family is a definitive action, a clear and visible break. Often it's those of us who have cut ourselves away from our biologic families who seek out, ti- seek out tightly knit friend groups to replace them. Friendships, on the other hand, often end in a kind of anticlimactic fade out. There is no external structure that compels us to keep up friendships when they're inconvenient. The closest friendships, the ones that feel like family can end in a slow, undramatic muttering with no defining event or explanation until the word friend means someone I used to know. Uh, and yeah, she says some more about this stuff. It's it's a great post. Damn, that's, I will, deep. Uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, I'll link it. It's basically the social optionality thing. And uh, this, uh, yeah, so the social optionality thing was one thing that keeps coming up again and again. The My whole thing against, like, competition and against, like, competing with your fellow man also seems to be coming up again and again. Oh, yeah? Uh, I'm, cur- I'm currently reading The Courage to Be Happy, which is, like, the sequel to The Courage to Be Disliked. Um, and yeah, it basically talks about it. Like, mate, this, this book is so good. It just like validates all of my sort of stances on things. So, 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 One of which is wait, like wait. Pra- that praising people is problematic, so, which I've always said, <laughs> and you never believed me. So having read the first book, The Courage to Be Disliked, and you are now disliked, you now have to read the second book, The Courage to Be Happy. Yeah, exactly. Despite being disliked. That's how they get you, man. <laughs> <laughs> this whole like sequel thing. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Okay, so why is it against praising people? I don't know. We'll do a big, big oh, discussion about course, that. Yeah. But I, I just want to say, I think I proposed this. I, do you remember we were in Pakistan about like a year and a few months ago? And it was like me and you and Zainab, we'd gone to like some cafe just to hang out in the afternoon. And I was like telling you guys about some of my latest theories. And I was like, look, look, guys, I've got this theory that's cooking up. It won't make any sense, I know. Uh, but like, you just got to like trust me on this one. And I said some stuff about how like it's... Yeah, it's problematic to like praise anyone or basically make any kind of objective, yeah, a- any kind of like statement about someone aside from them just being a human or something. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is so this has been corroborated by the courage to be happy. Yes, exactly. Um, nice. So that's that's a thing. Um, is that also based on Adlerian psychology from three hundred years ago? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's three hundred years ago, but yeah. Uh, so there's that thing, uh, and we'll do we'll do a book review on uh, the courage to be happy once I'm done reading it. Okay. So I actually have to uh, finish packing, eat some breakfast that Jose was kindly cooked up, and then head to the airport. So wait, no, I had one more thing. Okay, so you keep talking. I'm gonna grab some, <laughs> grab some food. All right. So you can monologue into the microphone for a while. <laughs> I'm sure you'd love that. Oh, um, before you go off on on your monologue. So uh, uh, last weekend I uh, I was I was on call uh, in Bury St Edmunds. It's like town in the middle of nowhere uh, in in Suffolk, which is the county where Ed Sheeran comes from. I've been told that you need to stop saying that. You want to describe? Be- I think in an early podcast episode yeah. you described Bedford as some random town in the middle of nowhere. Mate, these are all random towns in the middle of nowhere. Any, anything outside of London is a random town <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, um, so um, our cousin Jose, who's kind of making us breakfast right now <laughs> he was he was hanging out with me for the weekend uh, and he introduced me to this youtube channel called binging with babish oh have you, yeah have you seen this i haven't it's like it's like a cooking youtube channel with some dude who's sort of like you know like bald dude with glasses and a beard and a very kind of uh um a very sort of american low-key way of speaking okay and like the thing that he that got him famous i think is that he takes 
uh, dishes from TV shows and movies and recreates them in real life. And it's such a simple setup. Like he's, he's, he's only got like one camera angle pointing at the dish. You don't even see his face for most of the videos. It's mostly a voiceover. But the way he does his videos is just so good. And the way he speaks and the way he kind of puts stuff together. So by, by binging with Babish, uh, I've, I've picked up loads of tips on my own YouTube channel and I've started to really get into this whole cooking stuff. So okay. I'm, I'm very excited about that. And now I find that most of my YouTube recommendations are either David Dobrik vlogs or about <laughs> cooking. And I feel like I'm becoming more and more, uh, normie by the day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. I, I've, uh, Jasmine's also been, uh, illuminating my, Let's start again. Johansson's also been <laughs> enlightening my mind. Ah, oh, that would have worked actually. Enlightening me about the wonders of uh, food YouTube, food tube, and I think I might start um, start getting into it. Yeah, mate, this food tube is, is thick. It's so good. It's like if I'm sitting on the toilet doing a poo, the thing I watch is like a food video on YouTube. <laughs> I've now got, I've, I've now subscribed to Gordon Ramsay's channel, so one of like twelve oh, million mate. people. <laughs> Love Gordon. Ramsay. Have you yeah. seen like the compilations and stuff? The compilations. Yeah, <laughs> Gordon, uh, the Gordon Ramsay complex. Oh, no, I haven't. Done. Uh, no, it's so funny. It's from like his TV shows and stuff. I've seen the David Dobrik compilations. Oh, okay, right. Uh, okay, good stuff. The last thing I just wanted to mention was uh, you may have maybe we talk about this. You may have heard that a chap called Clayton Christensen recently died a few weeks ago. I've heard of Clayton Christensen. Is he, he was some like social a, psychologist or something? Uh, he's like a business kind of professor kind of guy he basically came up with the early adopter thing uh the okay. more the th- somewhat related Sorry, but like the theory I interrupt of, you. the theory of like disruptive innovation and how that happens and like everything that we yeah a, a lot of the kind of business theories in sort of tech and stuff that we take for granted today have come out of his ideas uh he used to be a professor and stuff he also he wrote a couple of books um one was called the the, the famous one was called the innovator's dilemma which oh. is like what, what sort of where he lays out his theory for how innovation and disruption happens. The other book he wrote was called How Will You Measure Your Life? Which is basically about like, yeah, it's just about like life and stuff or whatever. Um, life and stuff or whatever. I yeah, like that yeah. could be the tagline of this podcast. Yeah, it's 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 a bit like that. But it's about like, yeah, how will you measure your life basically. Where I, I, I've only just started reading it. And he basically talks about um, how f- he went to like business school, did an MBA or whatever. Um, and all of his, like, his, like, cohort of classmates and stuff were, like, very clever and stuff. And, uh, basically they had these, like, reunions every five years after they all graduated. Uh, and he said something along the lines of, like, in the first reunion, um, it was really cool to hear what everyone was up to, you know, like, uh, so, yeah, they all had, like, these amazing careers at British companies and so on. Um, some of them had, like, uh, gotten married and stuff and everyone was, like, uh, on the face of doing, a re- doing really well. But then in the subsequent sort of, uh, reunions, he, he sort of found that more and more people were sort of not doing so well. And people would, you know, people would stop turning up to these reunions, um, because, you know, and you'd kind of hear that, oh, so and so got like divorced or something. And like an alarming number of his MBA classmates ended up in jail. (laughs) One of them turned out to be this guy who was, uh, played a pivotal role in the Enron scandal, which you may have heard of. Well, 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 I I know you wouldn't have heard of it, but some big scandal where like a a company called Enron kind of uh, a bunch of fraud stuff happened. Um, and a bunch of people went to jail. Anyway, he basically says that like, it was alarming that these people who all seemed very smart and bright and actually all seemed like good, nice people somehow ended up in uh, an alarming number of them ended up in these, 
you know, less than ideal situations where a bunch of, you know, family relationships broke down, and, you know, they end up in jail and stuff like that. Uh, and he, he, he basically talks about like how to stop that happening. <laughs> um, about like, yeah, I, I think the book, the book is like a way to think about the stuff that actually matters in life. Okay. Have you read it? I've started reading it, oh. but like, but, but the key thing, the key like take of the book is that he, he applies the same theories that he's come, he's come up with on the business side of thing, things and applies them to like the non-business side of things oh, as oh, a way okay. of like getting insight into the non-business side. In of a things. way, treating your personal life like a business. Exactly, mate. mate. Exactly. Okay. This is a good point to, to end this on. Oh, I think like we should have a sort of, so, um, context uh you're familiar with the the my first million podcast have you read some i've I've listened to a couple of them so um in initially for most of them they were they they were sort of like interviews with people yeah but then they started this thing called the million dollar brainstorm which is just the two hosts just like chatting um and those became far more popular than the actual interviews um so they also said that it's a lot it's a lot easier doing those in the interviews because they can just like literally chat about anything yeah i think given our kind of well-documented struggles about coming up with with topics to talk about we should have like a series called like just chatting or something like that where we're just kind of talking about whatever without feeling like we need a a particular yeah quote topic of the day to talk about yeah yeah yeah. i feel like that's the real friction here is the thinking oh do we really have enough material to talk about optionality for an hour yes we do but do, do we have enough to talk about this other topic for an hour no we probably don't yeah so this felt like a just sort of chatting about stuff that's been on our minds. And I think we should make it a legit thing so it sounds legit when we do it. Yeah, I'll be down for that. And yeah, I was thinking recently that like, I think the, the car road trip thing is like really brings that out. So if we can figure out a good setup for like driving. Yeah. So I'm, I'm investing in some uh, fancy ass uh, lavalier microphones and stuff that oh, apparently great. are really good for car audio. Yeah. Although even like with, with car audio, it's still, you still do get some of the background noise. There's no real way around it unless you get like a super, super, super quiet car. Yeah. But people say that people who do videos on the car road trip thing say that that's part of the charm of the of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recording. think so. It's yeah. like the the gentle hum of the road. And the yeah, something like that. And so, yeah, I mean this this podcast only really happened because we happened to be on this road trip, and I I think I was like, oh, I, I want to start a podcast, and you were like, oh, I might start a podcast, and then we we're like, hey, why don't we do this together? Yeah, some road trip chats. So that yeah. should be like another thing because we don't have we we don't have to talk about like a fully kind of produce yeah yeah yeah, yeah talking exactly. about an actual thing exactly. on a road trip it can just be a sort of this is this was the chatter all right look to round things off i have an insight of the week oh yeah uh basically i saw a tweet uh i saw a tweet where someone someone who had like a decent number of followers and um, said something like he, he said something along the lines of i've actually stopped like quote retweeting people to disagree with them because all of my when i disagree with someone publicly all of my followers take that as a cue to all to then like form this lynch mob and try and like attack this person, which is ridiculous. And then someone someone had the great insight, which is that like if 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 you have a following and you disagree with someone online or or, or publicly, then your following take that almost as if you'd said, "Will nobody rid me of this meddlesome priest?" <laughs> I think turbulent priest is the way phrase. Uh, I think turbulent meddlesome is, and they're, they're both like valid. Um, but uh, when wait, I read wait. that, I was like, oh my God, like, what a reference. <laughs> I mean, and like, I, I think this is, if you've grown up in the UK and you studied, like, if you went to school in the UK in secondary school, you'll, you, you should know this reference from like Henry, Henry the seventh or something. 
It was in... Whoever got uh, Thomas Beckett killed. Thomas Beckett. Was it like 1215 or something? Yeah, yeah. One one of the Henrys, basically, there was this guy called Thomas Beckett. I think it was Henry II. Was it Henry II? Maybe Henry II. Yeah, Yeah, Henry II, whatever. (laughs) Didn't like this guy. Uh, I think Thomas Beckett was like annoying him about something. Yeah, apparently they were actually like friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they were like a friend's IRL, (laughs) but because... Thomas Beckett was like something to do with the, the like Archbishop of Canterbury and was opposing some of the changes that Henry was making to the church or some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. shit like that. Yes, yeah, so they, they were our old friends, but they basically had like a Twitter beef. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then Henry, Henry basically goes, Oh, well, nobody rid, rid me of this meddlesome priest. <laughs> basically like, Oh my God, this guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> and his like followers took that as a cue for uh, basically as if he was saying, someone, someone literally go and kill this guy. <laughs> so then, so then four knights yeah. <laughs> thought they would get a favor with the king by going to you know the, the canterbury cathedral and killing thomas beckett yeah. <laughs> and then henry's like or whoever was like what, what the hell Wait, what? <laughs> Tom. <laughs> but yeah i mean it was i just yeah it's, it's crazy but it's so on point that is like exactly how people respond when someone like criticizes something online yeah. <laughs> will nobody right. rid me of this meddlesome priest all right i think that's a good point to end this on uh, I, I possibly have an insight but i can't top that so Thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.